everybody. Joel Junker here with Cameron Brooks, and welcome to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Above and Beyond podcast. In this episode, I catch up with uh, Cameron Brooks alumnus Chaz Hoskins. Chaz is a former Air Force developmental engineer who made the transition uh, in January of uh, 2018. He is now a manufacturing engineer for uh, LAM Research, which makes machines that make the uh, the wafers that you ultimately get semiconductors from. So he's in the high-tech industry in Northern California, and he shares his experience and his transition. Uh, what's it like working in Silicon Valley and for a high-tech company? Uh, exactly what a manufacturing engineer does, what his career path looks like, and also describes the type of uh, machinery that LAM Research makes. So I hope you enjoy uh, the episode. We've got a lot of feedback uh, uh, recently from some uh, some of our candidates and people inquiring about the podcast that they wanted to talk to or hear podcasts, uh, interviews with people who are working in a high-tech industry. So I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll learn a lot from Chaz. Hi, Chaz. Welcome to the Cameron Brooks Podcast. It's great to have you on our show. How is everything in California today? It's great. Looking out the window at a beautiful September day here and... Uh, yeah, my career is going is, is off to a great start, and yeah, doing doing good so far. Good. So, speaking of your career, why don't you tell the listeners about who you work for and what the company does and uh, what your role is there? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I work for Lam Research Corporation. Uh, we're in the semiconductor industry, which uh, to those who aren't familiar, uh, semiconductors are the materials and devices that power your phones, your computers, a lot of a lot of stuff we rely on in the modern world. And um, so we make uh, processing equipment that our customers use to uh, turn silicon wafers into those devices. And I work as a pilot line manufacturing engineer, uh, taking uh, mostly completed designs and carrying them across the finish line uh, to get them ready for our company to mass produce so that our customers can uh, in turn mass produce wafers again into those devices and their facilities. And so, so as some a of Lamb's pilot, customers oh, would be some some of yeah. the Lamb's customers are could be I don't know who they are but any company that's making yeah. um, semiconductors and Intel makes semiconductors and uh, yeah. AMD Intel's, makes semiconductors. Intel is one of the big ones. AMD is one of our customers. Samsung is a huge customer on the types of products that I've been assigned to support as well as uh, their competitor in Korea, a company called SK Hynix. And when you say, you said pilot plant manufacturer. So when I hear pilot plant, are you making prototypes of machines that make semiconductors or are you guys piloting, taking machines that are made at LAM and testing on how they make semiconductors? We are... Uh, I wouldn't describe it as prototypes. You're you're correct to think of it in terms along those lines. It's similar to prototypes, but we are so our prototypes go to our labs, and we will host our customers to 
try out those prototypes, give us some feedback on those. But that's not what Pilot does. Uh, what Pilot does is take those uh, maturing new designs and actually make the first production runs of those and sell them to customers. So not, not quite a prototype, but very similar. It, it's something that uh, we use to sell to our customers to try to get them interested show them uh, what this new product is capable of. And but I hope I uh, explained the difference between us and making what, between what we do and making prototypes. So, so it sounds like your line is making the first, the first machine. You're figuring out how do we make a higher volume of these and it's right. the initial flow of the product out to the customer sites. Right. So we're, All right. we're still... It's, working out the the final design here just to make sure that it's compatible for our lean line so we trans we transition a new pro we we will build the product and sell it to our customer but we're not the high volume manufacturing uh uh campus i guess you would you would say so we we focus on transitioning our new designs to that high volume manufacturing uh organization Okay, now I understand. So obviously as a manufacturing engineer, it sounds like your role would be pretty challenging, but why don't you color that in, what your job is uh, in this pilot plant manufacturing uh, role and what makes it challenging? Sure, so uh, what makes it, I would say what makes it challenging is that it's, it's uh, probably common to most industries. You have people who are subject matter experts on this cutting edge technology who uh, very, very likely uh, are not experts in lean, lean manufacturing and operations management and uh, doing things, you know, doing production very, very efficiently. So that's kind of where I come in and uh, it can be very challenging because uh, a lot of times I deal with competing priorities. Uh, for example, sometimes to make something easy to manufacture, you have to spend some more money on it. You have to increase the cost of the design. And if I have to persuade a program manager in my company to make something, uh, to add some expenses to that to make it easier to manufacture, uh, I have to show the business case behind that. I have to show that this is going to uh, prevent some other expenses or it's going to enable us to uh, realize more revenues. So I'm always focused, just like in the military, always focused on the bottom line, on the big picture, because everyone should be able to get behind that. Uh, in the military, as you guys always said, it's combat readiness that you focus on, but here it's profitability. So... You know, just to be clear for the listeners, and maybe they get this, you know, the products you're talking about, these are highly engineered machines that are making the the wafers or semiconductors or the companies that Intel and AMD buy from you and they use to make their wafers that are used then to make semiconductors. Correct. Yeah. And and it's, it's true. The, the technology here is extremely complex we're talking about machines that enable our 
companies or our uh, our customers to etch features onto wafers that are uh, much much smaller than a uh, the diameter of a human hair. So our our products are the most cutting edge. We are um, all the computer chips that go for the processor in your phone was very very likely processed on one of our machines, and that includes whatever if you just bought one of the latest smartphones or if you use a very high powered uh, high processing power computer or for anyone who relies on the cloud because it's not just processing that are that these devices are used for it's it's also for memory and data storage as well so this is the impact we're making in the world how how long does it take for you guys to build and make one of these uh, machines so in pilot uh, because we're usually uh, doing something that is we're not fully set up to do a, a lean. It's not ready for the lean line yet. Within Pilot, uh, upgrading a process module uh, can take sometimes a month, I would say is typical, between uh, receiving uh, the predecessor product and then upgrading it to the new product, testing it, and then shipping it to the customer. However, uh, by the time we transition uh, to the High volume manufacturing facility. I I think it's uh, it's on the order of a couple of days to build uh, one of these modules for our customers. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted you to be a part of the podcast is I've gotten some feedback from people asking to have guests that work in the high tech industry. You know, I'm not even sure if I have a question here. I just I don't think that this is what they were thinking of when I think high tech industry, but you are in Northern California, you are in the semiconductor industry. The machines that you're making are making the, the, the chips that ultimately power our, our, as you said, smartphones and cloud computing, everything that's really revolutionizing and changing our industry. Um, I, what is the feel or the vibe or the culture of, of you, you haven't told the group other than you're California, but of where you work and, it related to that high tech industry yeah uh i was i was curious about that as well i will say that uh working in when i was at the career conference uh i heard oh this is lamb research this is silicon valley and that that really sounded appealing to me because this is there's a lot of um a lot of the american and even the global economy is being driven by what's going on here, and so I, I really, I really like the sound of uh, getting involved in that because uh, it's it's so important to everything else in the world, and I wanted to kind of go get involved and uh, challenge myself and see could I could I uh, hang in there with some of the this very in this very competitive environment. A very challenging environment and that's that's kind of that was kind of the appeal to me it, was, it sounded really challenging and i wanted to test myself and uh i have been testing myself here it has been very challenging but i'm i'm really uh every day i'm i feel like i'm able to achieve more um i don't know how 
how long I'll be able to, you know, say that I'm growing. Uh, but I, I think once you get to the maybe one and a half year mark, I feel like the growth rate is, is really, really fast. So, um, I, I'm really enjoying that about my career here so far. I feel like I am making some really big impacts. I could tell you specific examples of, of stuff if you want. But that um, would be great. Well, sure. Well, maybe before we do that, what we haven't I'll, done yet is to tell the listeners your educational background, military background, sure. and then and then and then let's talk about how you how you chose Lamb. Sure. Yeah. So I I did ten years in the Air Force as a developmental engineer. Uh, I did three assignments. Uh, I I worked as a, a weapons uh, testing test engineer. Uh, I worked at a headquarters job, kind of um, uh, managing new tech uh, technology uh, acquisitions. And then uh, I also uh, did a research job, including working at or uh, getting a, my master's in aeronautical engineering at AFIT. Uh, also, within that time, I did a six month six month deployment to Qatar, and I also uh, found time somehow to get my MBA at the College of William and Mary. So I took a lot of advantage of all the educational opportunities. I was very fortunate to be able to do that. And then as far as uh, choosing, you know, uh, so I, I made up my mind to separate and I really wanted to, again, I felt like I would test myself more by pursuing a career in the private sector. And however, I, I, I felt like I needed help kind of breaking into that getting off to the best start that I could. That's why I came to you guys uh, and really enjoyed the uh, DPP. I got a lot out of it. I got a lot out of the books you, you guys recommended as well as the feedback on interviewing skills and strategies. Uh, I, I felt like I did pretty well at the career conference. I got a lot of yeses and uh, I ended up choosing LAM because of uh, the, I, th I felt like this was the, it offered me the most in terms of uh, growth potential for me. That is to say, uh, growing my skill set, growing my resume. I think I, w I really wanted to, and I continue to want to have my resume uh, or my, I, I, I call it my real estate. I always want my real estate to keep going up. That's kind of the overarching objective of what I want out of uh, any career or any job that I accept is I want to sure. make sure that it's it's going to uh, cause my real estate to go up so that I have kind of more bargaining power to uh, steer my career the way I want it to go. So that, you, you, that was, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, Let's that was what I on that topic for just a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. On, on that growth, you said that you grew a lot in the first 18 months or so and made yeah. an impact. What what are some of those things that you grew and developed in the first that, that's 18 months, if you will? I'll say the, uh, the most important thing uh, is I've, I've learned how to uh, figure out what are the key sources or resources for information that I have at my disposal. And I think that's critical to everyone everywhere, regardless if you're still in the military 
or if you're starting a new career, um, making sure you know exactly what resources you have and you know how to use them. I think that's been the most important thing for me to succeed here. Uh, I've been able to look up a lot of stuff and, and teach myself a lot of stuff and gather a ton of information on my own. And I think my teammates appreciate that. My manager appreciates that. Um, and I, I will say that I think that's probably been the most important uh, part of my success. Another really big uh, one is has to do with stuff that you guys hammer home during the DPP and during the your uh, coaching sessions at the career conference. And that has to do with uh, building rapport, building relationships with people. Uh, reading uh, how to win friends and influence people, win friends and influence people as uh, was was really really good for me. I think I've spent a lot of time in my working life, uh, trying to get really good at uh, the technical stuff and, and uh, building up my expertise. But uh, sometimes your expertise uh, is, not a, is not worth as much as it should be uh, just because you lack the right relationships or you can't, you can't give feedback to someone in a way uh, that they'll listen uh, and, and you can't communicate for the necessary impact. And I think building rapport and uh, having relationships and having those kind of soft people skills really, really makes a huge difference. So those, yeah, those have been the, you, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Chaz. How do you yeah. expect to grow then? Like, where do you take it from here in the next 18 months? Where do you go at the next? Yeah, I'm a, um, there is a director who, uh, oversees what I'm doing here in pilot. He has worked uh, within a lot of different, um, very important uh, organ, uh, teams within this company. And I think that lends a lot to his perspective and to his credibility as a leader. So I kind of am going to pursue that model as I continue to um, uh, climb the ladder here and I and ultimately become the type of or get the type of leadership position that I want so that's that's my strategy sure tell me uh tell the can you explain to the listeners what you did then like your strategy or your advice to them would be in establishing yeah. yourself in a company and making an impact I think um I think with all the, so a lot of us in the private sector work on these cross-functional teams. And I know you guys at Cameron Brooks really uh, work on that with your candidates for being out, being ready to answer that uh, at the career conference. It's so true. And I find that um, being able to work well with those sort of adjacent uh, teammates, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, we're not all, we don't all have the same manager. So it's, it is a cross-functional team. It's a matrix organization. Uh, being able to work well with them and influence them and do right by them. I think that's, that's really good. And uh, one thing that I always try to do is I, I try to understand their perspective as best I can. 
they they have different roles within this company so they know stuff that i don't know they have a you know a perspective and they also have a different uh, sense of what's important and uh working with them building rapport with them and uh even like hanging out with them doing lunches and stuff like that uh that's that's kind of how i uh or, or or even just having like direct conversation asking them what are what is your priority here what what are you looking for and and getting them to tell me why and and being able to really see the world through their eyes i think that's that's huge so um not only does that help me make me more effective as a team member but i almost feel like okay once i once i understand that perspective enough i almost feel like wow i could almost i could see myself doing that job i could see myself uh transitioning roles here and getting that um uh, different perspective that i talked about earlier so um a good um good good um good dialogue i mean in terms of like how to establish yourself and asking people questions i like that chat kind of in a totally different direction um you know in terms of we talking about establishing yourself but um, what is it like being in the Silicon Valley in terms of the pace and the vibe and being in the high tech culture? Yeah, so uh, that, that's a good question. I was, um, I will say it's not at all like, don't, don't think of Google or, uh, or Facebook or, or the, the TV. I love the TV show Silicon Valley, uh, but it, it's where I work is nothing like that. This, where I'm working is a, uh, it's not a startup. It's not a. Um, it, it, it's not that kind of freewheeling type of culture. It is still the, a very much a Silicon Valley uh, culture. We all wear jeans to work. You know, there's you don't see. I, I've never seen anyone in a suit here before. Um, there's a lot of respect for work-life balance here. Um, and I can tell you, I can elaborate on that more if you want. Uh, sure. Sure. So uh, one one good example is every every once in a while I have a deadline that I'm trying to meet because we have like a build starting, and so uh, as one of my responsibilities as manufacturing engineer is to document the procedure and uh, make sure that's all squared away before a build starts. So sometimes we got to start building at such and such a date and I got to, and I'm very busy, you know, during my work day and sometimes every, not very often, but uh, sometimes I just got to put in the hours uh, at night, usually after my kids go to bed. Uh, but I am encouraged by my management here to uh, take that time as time in the bank to make up with my family. And uh, we, we've kind of really appreciated that respect so far. So that's that's one thing that I don't know if that's true everywhere in Silicon Valley. Don't know if it's true everywhere in this company or, or it might be. It might be true in uh, other industries, but it's one thing that I, I've really liked and uh, I really value it. So it's a little bit of a unique culture. Like you said, you guys are an established company not a startup culture within the high-tech industry um our our revenues are in the billions not in the not in the millions so okay 
what yep. what is it that you caused you to choose the high tech sector and to go at go to LAM? I just saw it as a as a place where that's really influencing our our lives and uh, influencing the whole world. And I thought it would be really cool to go uh, to be able to say someday that yeah, I was involved in that, and I got to got to see it with my own eyes. What the the technology being revolutionized and and where we are here and where we're talking about making wafers processing wafers that's the foundation of of all this stuff so that that just really appealed to me it sounded like very very important work i that's something that i really value and um i also i also had a very strong sense that this is some high quality engineering going on here and that uh, there were that there would be a lot that I can learn and benefit from. There would probably be some great engineers uh, who could teach me lots of lots of great things. Uh, I could kind of learn learn about their attitudes and uh, take that with me wherever I go in the future. And and also uh, as a as a challenging place to work, a place I I think a lot of people in the military join the military because they want to test themselves. And uh, I, I definitely see that here, Silicon Valley. It's very competitive. You have to be uh, really sharp to b make uh, meaningful contributions here. And so I wanted to test myself in that environment as well. So, Steve, this you know, now we've talked a lot about what you do now and why you chose this and some of the work that you do. Um, you let's go backwards for a second because one of the questions i get often is like technical opportunities engineering opportunities we don't have a lot of engineers on the show the webcast we place a lot of engineers we just haven't been as deliberate about getting people with engineering backgrounds to be guests we need to do a better job job of that maybe you could color that in a little bit what is it that uh for you that you found when you were interviewing about the quality and the number and the breadth and depth of seeing technical, high tech, or even just engineering opportunities? Because it's not always the same, but I was just curious, like what your experience is when you came through in November of 17, I believe it was? Yeah, you're you're asking, uh, oh, did I did I see a lot of uh, engineering roles uh, that were offered to me at the career conference? Is that your question? Engineering or even companies that were real and innovative technology-driven industries. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the medical device companies are uh really pushing the envelope technologically they're doing amazing things and that's also very important work oh, that, uh some of the uh jobs i inter interviewed for there also appealed to me for the same reason that i that i picked for coming here um and also there were i know there was at least one other uh silicon valley type company i think it was like pivotal software that i interviewed with I was really enthused with them, uh, but uh, I think I I think I know where I made some mistakes in the interview with them, and uh, unfortunately I I wasn't picked up. But uh, yeah, there there definitely was a lot of opportunities for for uh, being able to work in challenging high tech environments. What so let's go to interviewing for a second. What would you give me the would you give as a advice to people who are preparing for interviews? 
So uh, referencing or with regard to the reference that I just made with Pivotal, I think ex specifically where I went wrong was I felt like they were really looking for uh, a sharp person who uh, understands, you know, where technology and business come together. And I felt like I really wanted to let them know that I, I really wanted to show them how smart of a guy I was. And I think, unfortunately, I focused a little too much on that, and I was a little distracted by that. And I think I didn't listen to a lot of the questions as well as I could have uh, with them. And so I would. So the the overall takeaway there is: um, do your training really, really well. Do your preparation really, really well. And no, no, going into these interviews that you did a good job and know that you did put in uh, the right amount of effort and then relax and be yourself and pay attention and show them who you really are and don't don't try to show them who you are uh, in a in a way that's not sincere and authentic and i think that's kind of where i went where i went wrong but i, I did sure. i did feel very comfortable in my interviews because I did put a lot into the DPP and I did a lot of research on the companies and I sure enough was able to kind of calm myself down before going into a lot of those. So. And what advice would you give, give to people who are now about a year out part of their transition and really gaining in this, uh, uh, in this, um, uh, this time and using it to to prepare, or would you give to people when they're at their career conference? Uh, yeah, I would have I have advice for uh, both sets of people. Um, I would say for the one year out candidates, make sure your uh, reading I, the the reading I did was so valuable to me because, and I. And you don't have to do it this way, but I did it this way. I read a lot on my Kindle. I was able to highlight some stuff that I was able to naturally identify with as I was going. And I read, I don't know, half a dozen uh, business books before the career conference. And I was able to, before going into my interviews, go through what I had highlighted on my Kindle and I found some great, I don't want to call them sound bites, but great kind of very concise things that describe my philosophy of professional life. Yeah. And it, I don't know if this sounds like, I don't, I don't think I'm really, I don't think it's really plagiarizing, but it's, I was able to remind myself of those. And sometimes I use those little sound bites verbatim when they were relevant in an, in an interview because they're so concise, they're so well-written. Somebody else who's a better writer than me was able to use their words really, really well. And naturally that identified with me and, or I identified with those and it really helped me be able to uh, uh, show what my philosophies are and who I am in those interviews. 
that's my advice for the the uh, folks who are a year out. And the other advice for the uh, folks who are going into a career conference soon. Yeah, that was your other question. Yes, exactly. Like if they were yeah. about a month out or at the career conference, you know, maybe yeah. a few weeks out or as they go through the conference. Other advice. Just just put as put as much uh, into it now as you can, and uh, just visualize yourself showing up to the career conference, knowing uh, with confidence that you put a lot into this and that you're a lot better off than you uh, were when you first started and try to introspectively recognize your own growth, what your own growth through the DPP and use that to be confident and calm and clear during your interviews. I think that uh, being nervous can kind of steal away from uh, getting getting across communicating who you are. And so if you did a good job, uh, recognize that in yourself. If you didn't do a good job, it's it's never too late to put more into it and be be better prepared. Awesome. Now, you said you did a lot of preparation and thinking about to share some things with the audience. Are there other things that we've not gotten into today, Chaz, that you'd like to share with them? Yeah, practicing your practicing uh, your interviews with as much as you can. Um, my wife has a business background. She gave me a lot of great feedback. I know not everyone has that, but you probably have someone in your life who um, has who you, you have some sense of could probably give you the best feedback and uh, asking them to help you with that I think is is going to go a long way I will say the the best feedback I got was from Joel and Pete and Rob and Mary Lou and everyone that I worked with at Cameron Brooks but uh, you got there are more people who can help you as well so I would say uh, find those people and and take them up for the help. Awesome, Chaz. Great, um, great feedback, and thank you for being a guest. Did we leave anything out? No, I think I think we covered uh, a lot of the things that I wanted to say. But I, I will just add that uh, I I do enjoy uh, chatting or emailing or corresponding generally with uh, the the candidates you've sent my way so far. It gives me a chance to reflect on how far I've come. I've I've been uh, like very, very busy. I don't take a whole lot of time out of my day to, to pause and reflect, but um, I like to help out uh, JMOs um, just because I'm so grateful for all the help that I got when I was transitioning. So by all means, uh, if anyone listening wants to reach out I'd be happy to help and uh, if you guys want to send anyone else my way I'm always happy that's great appreciate it Chaz really thank you for being on the on the the podcast today you've been a great guest and thank you for all your support and helping Cameron Brooks and transitioning junior officers sure Joel thank you for all your help too Thank you again, everyone, for listening. 
uh, to another one of our episodes. If you want to learn more about Chaz, you can find him on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash C.R. Hoskins, H-O-S-K-I-N-S forward slash. If you want to learn more about Cameron Brooks, of course, we have our website, Cameron-Brooks.com, as well as our book, PCS to Corporate America, which you can find on Amazon. Ever have any suggestions or have any questions, feel free to email me at joel, that's J-O-E-L, at Cameron-Brooks.com.